What's up, everyone? I'm Dr. Christian Conti. Welcome to Emotional Management. I'm grateful that you're joining us tonight. I'm excited about tonight's show. I'm always excited um, because, listen, we only have one life and we're alive right now. And so this is our experience of life. Whatever it is for you, this is our experience. And tonight, my experience is enhanced by my colleague and good friend, Lisa Ald, who's joining me in the studio. So, Lisa, welcome back to the show. Thanks so much. I'm excited to be here. So, if you want to be a part of the show, the number is 866-391-1020. And, of course, you can email us on the Dollar Bank Instant Access. Just go to kdkradio.com, and you will find the links there to be able to email us. I have several questions that we're going to be going through tonight that we have wanted to get to. Um, and we're going to get to those questions, but I always kind of place priority. If you're calling in, we'll, we will, uh, we'll push that ahead of the questions. So give us a call. 866-391-1020 is the number. So look, the world, this is emotional management. The whole idea, the design behind this show was to help you handle your emotions in the most effective way possible. Look, life's not easy. It's never supposed to be easy. It is what it is. But the way you handle it can certainly be refined. Think about it. If you're mastering a skill and you practice, you get better at that skill, whatever that is. I'm not very musically inclined. One might even say that people probably chuckle when I sing happy birthday because I sing off key. I have no musical talent. However, our daughter, my wife and I, our daughter is extremely talented musically. She's phenomenal. I don't know where she gets it. I think uh, probably from my mom was a phenomenal singer. My wife's dad was a phenomenal singer. So I think that's that's where she gets it. But with anything, when you work on your craft, you master it, whatever that is. So recently I've been working on the guitar. I've been working. It's taken a while. Lisa, I don't know if you knew that about I me, but it. I play, I play I guitar. It. I've been playing now for probably a little bit about, about a year now. Very and one cool. of the things I notice is, is with everything else in life, what we ma- what we practice, we master. So eventually over time, it'll begin to click. It'll begin to fall into place. Actually, I played live on the air here. Not a lot of people get to do that, but I played live on the radio uh, ukulele. Uh, when I first started, I started with the ukulele. I wanted to show my daughter anything was possible, so... I said, look, uh, if your daddy's playing on the radio when no one ever thought he would play on the radio, (laughs) anything's possible. The world has a lot going on. And I I was thinking about this coming in tonight for this show. The world has a lot going on. So the news has shown us things that are, I mean, really powerful and impactful from hurricanes, mass shootings. There was a horrific uh, boating accident recently. And I noticed that I get tons of comments, questions around anger. I specialize in anger management. Um, I have a YouTube channel where I create videos based on, just like this show, all things emotional management. But I have a lot of videos on anger management. And so I get lots of questions around anger. But I I see so much of it. Now, look, the reality is, that there's a term called confirmation bias. Confirmation bias means whatever you look for, you're going to see. And well, that impacts us in so many different ways. But one of the ways it impacts us is if we look for 
people who are, if we look for reasons to stay angry, we're going to stay angry. If you look for reasons to stay upset, you're going to stay upset. In a world where we have access to so many different things, you could really focus on whatever it is that catches your fancy. The problem is this. When we have these real-life incidents that are horrific, tragic, they're scary, they cause anxiety, they cause fear. And here's what happens. When we have fear, when we experience fear, it's an awful feeling. So what do we do with it? Well, one of the things that I teach people is this. When you have anxiety, it's your body's flooded with cortisol, adrenaline. It's really an awful feeling. But when you lash out in anger, bam, you yell, cortisol, or uh, I'm sorry, endorphins are released. And when endorphins are released, you start to feel better temporarily. And then you usually regret whatever you lashed out in anger about. But anger is a way we deal with anxiety. And so when I look around the world and I see so much anger, when I see people angry on social media, when I see people angry in comment sections and they're firing off anger left and right, what I see is not an angry world, but a, a world that is steeped in a lot of fear. Because when we're steeped in a lot of fear, how do we respond to it? How do we, how do we deal with that? So I want to throw out some fancy terms for you, but then we're going to break those terms down. And then coming up on this show, Lisa's going to be with us the whole uh, show tonight. So we're going to break this kind of stuff down. But just in this opening, I kind of really want you to hear there is something when we're little, when we're very young, we see the world in terms of black and white because that's all we can really understand. When you're very little, you don't understand more than good guys and bad guys and right and wrong. As you get older, you recognize that there are so many more facets to every experience, every moment. But then there's something else. When we have something bad happen to us, something that we don't like, we like to attribute it to one single cause. Well, it was because of this. And as long as we can do that, and it's called linear causality, linear is like a straight line. So think about on a straight line, A, B, and C. A does something to B, does something to C, and that's how we get there. It's just straight across. And linear causality makes a lot of sense for little kids. Well, you did this, and now you yelled at me, and now I did this, and this you caused me to do that. When we get older, however, we start to recognize that the world is not rooted in linear causality, but circular causality. Here's what this means. Let's say you see a dog and you think, I'm going to kick this dog, which I don't advocate doing because I'm a dog lover. But let's say you were going to kick a dog. Now, when you come at that dog with that energy, like you're going to kick him, he reads that. He picks up on that. Now, if he bites you, the question is, did he bite you because he was protecting himself well, you say, well, maybe he bit me before I was going to do anything, but you had an intention of kicking him. So we really don't know, was it your energy that came at him that got him to, you know, come at you and bite you? Or was it just him acting uh, on his own? Circular causality says that each person in a, in a relationship, in an interaction, plays a role. That means, listen to this, every interaction you ever have, you play a role. Now, why is this powerful? Why is this so enlightening to really truly understand. Well, you can't change others. You can't make people do this or that, but you can control yourself. And if you can realize the power of understanding that you play a role in every interaction that you have, then it's much easier to get a grip on the things you can control, which is you and how you impact 
others and the impact you have on other people. So let's say, you know, oh man, this person's miserable. Every time I call them, they're miserable. They might very well be struggling in a spot where they, that's all they can, you know, kind of share. However, what if it's the questions that you're asking that person every time? What if every time you interact that person with that person, you say things that are leaning toward that negativity and then you kind of set them up. And then when they fulfill that, you say, well, look, they're so miserable and negative. So you play a role and the idea is to figure out what role you play in every interaction. And if you want help with that, if you have relationships that are struggling, if you have interactions with your children or grandchildren that are struggling and you say, what role am I playing? Give us a call. 866-391-1020 is a number. Dollar Bank Instant Access is kdkradio.com. But this is emotional management. This is the show where we're going to talk about those things. I have a fabulous colleague and friend who's here in the studio with me. But we are excited about this show tonight. 866-391-1020. This is emotional management. I'm Dr. Christian Conti. She's Lisa Auld. Come back with us on KDKA Radio. Oh boy, this is emotional management. I like that lively intro, Lisa. That was pretty cool. They made that for you. I get really excited about that. That's like, we're, we're fired up. <laughs> emotions are, can fire you up. I mean, that's what emotions do. They fire you up. Um, if you're fired up over some emotions, if you would like to deal with some situations in your life more effectively, the number is 866 391 1020, and then you can email us in the Dollar Bank Instant Access. Just go to kdkradio.com. So in the studio with me tonight, Lisa Ald, a good friend and colleague, um, professional counselor. She works with students at the University of Pittsburgh. But let's let's uh, we have a lot of questions that we want to get to tonight. First, Lisa, how you doing? I'm good. I'm good. Happy Labor Day. Happy Labor Day. Speaking of work, we actually have questions around work that I'm going to get to around bosses. Um, that I want to get to. But I want to start with this. I don't deal a lot with um, uh, news stories. This is not the space for that. This is a space for people to call in and talk about their emotions and what they're dealing with. Now, if you're dealing with something that you see on the news, I think even last week I had uh, referenced a police officer who came up to talk to me about his son who was uh, struggling after he saw some of the the media coverage around the shootings in Texas. This was before this last uh, shooting took place. Um, so there's a lot of stuff that's scary. And if that's bothering you, please, please give us a call. 866-391-1020 is a number. But I don't t- typically go, you know, give, I'm not, this isn't about uh, my opinions. This isn't about that kind of stuff at all. I had a question though that I, I kind of wanted to pull out. It is deal with a recent story. It says, Dr. Conti, I know you work in the field of addictions. What do you think of Tyler Skagg's death and the report he was on pain meds? And I want to address that. So if you don't know who Tyler Skaggs was, he um, was a pitcher for the uh, the Angels, a professional baseball team. Uh, and he he passed away a couple, I think about like a week or two ago. Um, pretty, uh, pretty tragic young man, probably 27 years old. And so the report that this person is referring to in the question, I don't have a name, but the report is um, that he was on pain medication and he was, it was an untimely, he didn't know that this was going to happen. It was an accidental overdose. So I think there's what I feel very um, passionate about to share is this people all of a sudden I, I, I got to hear because I work in this field, 
a lot of judgmental opinions and, and now looking at his death differently. At the end of the day, this is a young man who passed away in a tragic way. And to, to, in my view, it doesn't matter what was tragic about it. So if he was on pain medication, so now I'm hearing that he was also in pain on top of whatever else he was struggling with. Um, so we really don't know what goes on in people's minds. We don't know what goes on in their inner psyches and in their inner worlds. I think we're all really quick to make judgmental statements. And I think it's easy for us when we make judgmental statements, it, we kind of, we go back to that linear causality. Well, if I can pull it back to this exact reason, well, this is the reason why, and then this will never happen to me. But the truth is that the world is scary and the world is gray. It's not black and white. And when we don't have answers to come by easily, we start to make easy answers. But to me, that doesn't change a single thing that this young man struggled um, with any area of his life whatsoever, let alone if I see that he was in pain too, I just think, my goodness, he was in more pain than people even realize. So I, I really have a different reaction than I guess people who now all of a sudden don't think it's a tragedy. I think this young man because he was in pain, certainly didn't deserve anything that happened to him. And I, I think that's the part, Lisa, I'm always taken back by that way. When people say, well, it, well, it's because of this or that, almost with an air of like somebody deserves something mm -hmm. horrible just because they were struggling. I could see that. And I, I, think, I think you made a great point that oftentimes it's rooted in fear to kind of circle back to the intro of how can I, how can I stay safe? Oh, it's because of this. Or you know, the example that I thought of when you, when men mentioned that is oftentimes if we share, you know, we've heard someone's been diagnosed with cancer. Sometimes a follow-up question is, did they smoke or whatever the case may be. So looking for, you know, okay, well I'm safe if I don't partake in those activities. So I can imagine many people may be thinking, oh, okay, he didn't tragically die uh, with no reason as a young, healthy 27-year-old, right. now it makes them feel safe that there was a reason that may or may not be applicable to their situation. But I do agree with you. I mean, I think it's rooted in fear in a lot of ways. So if you're, you know, if you come up with really strong opinions, look, hindsight bias, hindsight bias. And this is the show where we bring you all kind of new terms. And it's fun. It's fun to learn this stuff, to learn, get more insight on life. But hindsight bias is the uh, it's the term that occurs anytime that once you have the answer, you convince yourself that you already had the answer. That's hindsight bias. So you didn't know the answer, but once you got it, you convince yourself that you already knew it. It's kind of like sitting with the answer key to a test, taking the test, checking every answer on your answer key. And then going, well, I knew it. I didn't need the answer key. Well, yeah, you had the answer key with you. That's why you're saying that now. Um, but honestly, if we really think about that analogy, and I like to make like lighthearted analogies because I think if we can poke fun at our egos, we can start to crack through and really get to the deeper aspect of all of us. And if you think about that, once we know why something happened to someone, we go back now with hindsight bias and say, well, I wouldn't have done this or that. Anyone out there listening who has ever taking an Advil because your head hurt and you wanted to take an Advil. Like you can understand what it's like to be in pain and want to take something. So life happens on a continuum. Maybe people engage in more than you would have done or less than you would have done, whatever. The point is where do our judgments really come from? I think they come from a place of fear 
like you said, Lisa, we're trying to really isolate and figure it out. Because once we figure it out, then we can say, okay, now I can avoid that. Mm-hmm. So what if we were able to deal with this anxiety in a more conscious way. So in other words, instead of being um, so judgmental, so quick to, to write people off and dismissive, because here's something that I kind of, I want to use this platform to, to speak about. And that's this, we're very quick to minimize what we do. So we often think, and this is funny, like people will say, well, I just said this. So that qualifier just right, is in right. there. When you say something, oh, it's, I just said this. Why'd they get so upset? But these are the very same people who will be reactive to something someone else said. But if you're really truly believing in that philosophy that I just said this, well, then didn't that other person just say that? Oh, well, what they said was worse than what I said. It's interesting, but the more awareness we shine on this, my goodness, the easier it makes life. So that's why we want to shine light on this tonight. We have some questions. We're going to get to a bunch of stuff tonight. So Lisa, I'm so grateful you're here with me tonight because we had a bunch of stuff we're going to get to. Um, but let me just kind of wrap up this aspect of this and please feel free to call in. And uh, if there are aspects of this or you, you're maybe you're struggling with this in your own life or maybe you have loved ones who are struggling too. It, when it comes to addiction, it's scary. It's scary for so many people. And not, not even that addiction had anything to do with uh, what was going on with uh, Tyler Skaggs. I wouldn't presume to know any of that. What my message is, is that this, young's man, this young man's death was tragic. No matter the reason, it was tragic. When a young man passes away, it's tragic. Um, so that's what we want to, we want to get to, uh, a shine light today on why we do the things we do. Lisa Ald's in studio with me. I'm Dr. Christian Conti. This is emotional management. 866-391-1020 is the number to be a part of the show on KDK radio. Oh boy. We're back. This is emotional management. I'm Dr. Christian Conti in studio with me is Lisa Ald. This is the show. That is about you. This is the show that is about you. Whatever is going on in your life right now, here's something we can be certain about. You have emotions. You have emotions going on experiencing it. Whether your emotions are happy, sad, mad, glad, whatever your emotions are, content, uh, you're feeling some sort of emotions. And how do we deal with those emotions? There are things that come up. There are miscommunications that happen all the time. If you have miscommunications occurring, if you'd like to have a relationship go a little bit more smoothly than what it's currently going, give us a call. 866-391-1020 is the number. But we're going to answer questions. We have a bunch of emails that we're definitely going to get to tonight, um, but we were happy to talk if you want to talk. 866-391-1020 is the number. But Lisa, let's go to the questions. Okay. So we got an email from Mary and she says my son has been complaining about his boss it sounds to me like his boss is an idiot sorry it's true because I tell him that his boss should listen to his ideas but my son says he doesn't even try to say anything because he knows his boss won't listen I want to give him good advice but I know he would never call into the show or see a counselor I hate for him to just complain all the time so any help you could give would be great well, Mary, thank you so much for your question, and thank you for listening to the show. I think I cut that undertone that you listen to this show, and you probably have tried to get your son to listen to it before. Um, and so the gist of it is that your your son's boss, uh, 
he's you know he doesn't think favorably of his his boss or you don't think favorably of his boss and his boss should listen to his ideas look mary this is a great question and you know the whole this is labor day so what a day to talk about work and bosses <laughs> and everything I, I'm guessing, Mary, that your son isn't the only person out there who's struggling with a boss. Um, it's tough. It's tough. when. The, so one of the things that occurs when we deal with work and issues around work is this. This is our our resource. This is how we kind of survive is by making our, our making money to be able to afford to keep ourselves clothed, fed, sheltered. And the reality is this is the way as modern humans that we survive in the world. So we need, so work is important to us and our boss plays a pivotal role because our boss either is the one who's writing the check to, to help you be able to provide for your family or your boss is standing in the way of the person who's writing that check. So the relationship from employee to boss is it's such a significant one in everyone's life who works because this you're dependent in in many ways on this person. Now the question is, how do we deal with this person? Because a lot of people will complain about it, say, well, my boss is doing this, my boss is doing that. What I have found overall in the last 20 years of doing this work is a huge source of angst for people around bosses is a lack of assertiveness. So what I mean by that is an ability to say to your boss what you want to say to him or her. Whatever you want to say to this person, how do you say it? Now, here's what happens for most people. We go from one extreme to the other. So we don't say anything, don't say anything, don't say anything. And then all of a sudden lash out and say like the worst stuff and then quit and run out or something like that. Uh, but there is a definite, there's, you don't have to go to those extremes. There is a way to say what you want to say. Now, some people will write in, call in and say, you don't know so-and-so. They never listen to anything. And I feel you. Sometimes I think that when people say that, their projection is that I haven't spent 20 years in this field and talked to thousands of people all over the world. I know that there are people who have a more difficult time listening than others. Of course, that's that's true. But again, the question comes back to what can you do in any given situation? So I ask myself, what can I do? How can I approach people more effectively? What role am I playing and what can I do differently so the first thing I would say, Mary, around your son is this. When it comes to what he should do or what his boss should do, whereas those thoughts come from a place of love, which I absolutely love. You love your son. I can hear it in your words. But the reality is that there's a difference between the cartoon world, which is the world the way we think it should be, and then the real world, which is the way the world is. Cartoon world is his boss should listen to him. He should listen to you. The real world is his boss doesn't listen to him as of now, and he doesn't listen to you. So what I like to do is align expectations with reality. In other words, we figure out what is it that we can really do? What can we actually change? One of the things you can change is think about how do you impact him? How does he listen? How does he respond? And how can you respond differently to him so that you can kind of get what you want from him. My thought is this, and Lisa, I want you to jump in, but my thought is this, listen, validate, explore options. In other words, they're gonna be, listen to your son, because there's probably a part of him that just wants to get it off his chest. Maybe he doesn't even want a solution, and sometimes, Lisa, I see this a lot, sometimes people don't want a solution, they just want to vent, and then when people start to give them a solution, now they're thinking, 
I can't even get to, I can't even do what I was going to do. Now you're giving me this pressure. I have to do what you're saying to do. And that's just too much. Yeah. So true. So true. I think that was great. Uh, some great words and I'm listening. So sometimes venting can be complaining, but I imagine depending on the, the way his work is structured, whether it's just him and his boss or if there's anyone around him, he might not get the chance to do that. Um, and it sounds like you're pretty supportive of him. So, you know, validating what's going on for him. I guess the other thing I was thinking about um, when you were talking, Dr. Conti, is sometimes I've found it helpful to take a step back and try to think what the boss, this is, you know, I guess advice for your son, what the boss might be experiencing. So trying to put yourself in his shoes, whether maybe it's a big team and, you know, there's five, six, ten people on his team. Um, and I imagine it's it's really hard. It's really hard to be a good leader and to empower every single person. Um, you know, he may be getting pressure from above and that doesn't, you know, he doesn't potentially have um, the agency to manage in a way that he would want to. So I, I found that having some empathy for what they might be going through is, is makes it more, you know, e easier to digest every day. And then to your point, maybe exploring some different alternatives that he hasn't tried yet. Um, but also just, I guess, encouraging your son to, you know, look at what he can control, you know, focusing on what is positive? Um, how has he been able to move the needle and truly fo focusing on what he can't control in his day to day? And here's something else I hear in her words. And I love this. I love this because I have a phenomenal mom myself. And when you when you know what that love is from a mom who says, I want to fix things for you, I don't want you to be in pain. And so what I think you're what I think Mary's doing is this. She sees her son in pain and she wants to fix it for him. Mm -hmm. So she's saying, well, do this, do this, do this, and you'll be out of that pain. But the problem is, and we, we've talked about this even before on this show, it's you can't fix an emotion. It's not a Band-Aid. You can't just, hey, here you all just, I mean, hammer this nail in, fix it. It doesn't work that way. I don't know how I got a hammer and nail out of a Band-Aid. But, <laughs> but you can't just fix it for him. What you can do is be there with him. So you can't fix it. You can't. And that's something that's so difficult. People say, well, then what do you do? Like, you can't fix it. I, right. I don't know what I do. I sit in a yeah. chair and talk to people. And then sometimes people walk away and they, and they, you know, they report feeling better. But ultimately it's because I'm not trying to fix it. I'm here with you. And I think sometimes we just need to know that. Like, I'm not supposed to fix it. I'm supposed to be here with you. But what I love about Mary's attempt to fix it is it demonstrates irrefutably that she cares enough. Absolutely. But I'm, I'm with you, Lisa. I'd say look at it from the boss's perspective because that helps give you insight, even at a minimum. Now you say, okay, what is he seeing that I'm not seeing? And that's a challenge. When you're in a leadership position, you're seeing more sides to the box than people mm. who are in it Very are true. actually seeing. Very true. And it's hard to explain that. It's hard to say, well, I'm seeing these different sides. So being able, I like what you said, because even being able to step back and go, let me have, let me think about it from the boss's perspective. Now it, that does two things. People say, well, then what about my, what Mary might say, what about my son's perspective? Right. I want his perspective. I want to hear his perspective. But I also know that when he takes time to think about it from his boss's perspective, what's going to happen is he's now going to have a different approach to the way he comes up to his boss. Now the conversation is different when he does want to give feedback because he takes that time. Look, I'm really, uh, I think we have a lot to get to tonight. Um, we can't fix emotions, but we can certainly be here with you. And that's why Lisa all joining me in studio to be here with you. 
I'm Dr. Christian Conti. This is Emotional Management on KDKA Radio. Welcome back. This is Emotional Management. I'm Dr. Christian Conti. Lisa Ald is in the studio with me. Let's go to the phone lines because that's what this is all about. Susie, you're on Emotional Management on KDKA Radio. I'm so sorry. Um, I'm so I sorry. Didn't... Susie, you're on the air, and I messed yeah. up the buttons there. Go ahead. Now oh, you're okay. on. Well, okay. Well, I've been experiencing quite a bit of emotional stress, you know, considering my family. Um, I'm 65 years old, and I just made the move to Cleveland a little over a year ago. And what I want to ask is, is it true, all the reports I've read and things that I, I learned about life, my mother, five, and grandmother, two, my mother's a great-grandmother, point being, stress can affect your health. Is that not true? 100% correct. Mm -hmm. And um, for me, I've learned how to meditate, just take things one day at a time. In this day and age, that's kind of hard to do when you when you worry a lot. Right. So for me, you know, when I started listening to this program, I said, no, well, let me call in because I try to explain that to my mom sometimes. You know, um, we just lost my brother from prostate cancer. And when you bury five brothers, we uh, we were a family of nine. Mm, uh, I'm seven so boys sorry to hear that, My mother Susie. has buried my dad and... For me, it's different when a parent loses a child and a sibling is grieving it. I was just that close to my brother. He worked for Xerox for a long time, and he went for that late diagnosis when you were talking about how when a mom tries to fix everything. His mm-hmm. nickname, his, no one his job, his nickname is Duke. She said, Duke, you know, you should go to the doctor. Something's wrong with you. Mm. So by the time he got the diagnosis, it was full-blown, and it could just have the chemo, you know. But he used to make me cry. I spent a lot of time with him near my mom. I moved the Washington debate, she had to be near them. And he used to tell me, I want my grandchildren to remember me. So the diagnosis that the doctors gave would have been on, on point if my mother hadn't. She's a retired nurse. She said, there's no way I'm going to take care of him now. So, but for me, I try to reiterate that and try to teach my children that too. We're here but a very short time, you know. Isn't that and so true? First me, of all, Susie, I, I'm... I, the stress. Yeah. I'm so sorry to hear that about your, your brother. I really am really um, sorry right. to hear that. He's in a better place. He's not suffering anymore. But point being, out of all seven brothers, he and I had that connection. Mm. I could call and talk to him about anything. My two divorces, what I was going through with my children. It just was that close. Not that I don't love all my brothers. There's only two left and two girls and two boys. I'm the baby girl and there's two, two boys left. You know, so. right, right. But for me, um, it, it does become generational. And when I tried to teach my children this, and I, I took them to church and introduced them to what God and believing in things means, so that I talked to my mom earlier, and she's not doing too bad with her, too good with her back, but she never smoked or drank her in her life, but she is very stubborn. She's that Taurus, the bull like my dad. I'm like, <laughs> Mom, I can feel things when you're not feeling well, and I can feel things when my children are. They say, Mom, how do you know that? I just, just, call, me, just call me mommy perception. That's right. It I like that. Knowing, <laughs> mommy perception, just knowing I have a feeling. I said, I pray about you every day. I ask God to keep you safe. And I kiss you. You should have a migraine headache. And they laugh. I said, I'm not kidding you. I said, I'm not. <laughs> I said, that you have succeeded and you realize your dreams. You went for your education. And that's what you have to do. Because tomorrow is my promise. Right. I said, when God calls me home, I do not want you all to grieve and say, well, wow. Was this something that we could have done for mom to change things? No. When it's over, it's over. I said, celebrate my life, but do go on. And for me, I think if people around the world could get, just get a whole handle on that, you know, um, going through divorces and losing material things, I taught them, you can get material things back, but you can't get a life back that wasn't yours to get. To take. Listen, Susie, this is, like a, this. this is like yeah. a bu- burst of beautiful <laughs> wisdom, and I love it. I love it. I love mommy perception. <laughs> love, love. 
It's fantastic. Right, because I have that. It's, oh, you know we weren't filming. Go, that's that, oh, well, not ESB. Yes, S for century perception. Mommy perception. I have that. <laughs> I and, love and, it. And any parent does, really. So I really enjoy, you know, what you're saying and, and reaching out to people and letting them know. And like you let people know, you can give a person the tools to handle what they're handling. But if they don't set it in motion, they'll be stuck and complacent and stuck in that, in that mode. So keep it moving. Keep going. And do the best that you can with every day that you're not promised. So you all have a good evening. Thank My you. goodness, I love it. Thank you so much, Susie. Thank <laughs> you so night. much. That's beautiful. I lo- what a great call. Um, and I love, love, love that term, mommy perception. I, I believe that. You know, it's funny because uh, my wife, she can detect things that are going on with our daughter from like a mile away. Like she just has that. So I kind of, I love your term, Susie, of mommy perception. My wife's a super light sleeper. So she could tell like if our daughter rolls over wrong, she'll be like, <laughs> I'm, I'm on it. She's on top of it. And she's, <laughs> she's been on nonstop since our daughter was born uh, 14 years ago. So it's, it's, it's interesting to see that. And I love, I love that kind of, um, I love your energy, Susie. And I appreciate those words. There's something she said in there, Lisa, I think we could talk about, which is it becomes generational. Mm-hmm. Um, and families pass down stress. Actually, they, they pass down stress. Um, they pass down ways to handle stress. And if you don't stop and check and think about it, then you can definitely unconsciously keep repeating patterns that you never meant to do anyway. I could see that. I mean, I, I also think the stress is there too, when you don't deal with emotions. So imagine, you know, seeing your mom or dad go through something and not properly deal with or, you know, be able to feel their way through that emotion and just repress it. So if you're not taught to sit with it and investigate it and, and are only, you know, have have family members that continue to repress it, I could see how that, that could become generational. Well, so this is one of the reasons why we do this show is to be able to, and it's what I love about uh, KDKA um, to say, listen, we want to do this show because we want to help people. We want to give support to people. We don't get emotional education going through school. Listen, we need to take math and science and that's all beautiful. Those are topics I love. I'm obviously big into the academics and and, that, and education, but I believe a part of our education is missing and that is we only ever live with ourselves our entire lives. So why not get to know ourselves? Why not get to know these emotions? Like you said, Lisa, we need to step back, question it, we need to shine a light on what we're doing because if we don't, we end up just repeating patterns over and over again. And we want to help you to not repeat patterns. And there are different ways we're going to do it. One way we're going to do it is Lisa is going to be with me all of the next hour of this show. So we're going to be able to take your questions. 866-391-1020 is the number. But there are other ways to get insight on your life. Like, for instance, you could go and sit down with a counselor. Lisa's one of those people who's phenomenal to go sit down with. So we're going to get your info in a way that people can get a contact you in a minute here, Lisa. But the other thing is you can check out YouTube. If you go to YouTube and you type in Dr. Christian Conte, C-O-N-T-E, you'll see videos from uh, – I, I do a whole bunch of different videos. But we want to try to shine light on your life in any way we can. Lisa, how can they get a hold of you? So my email is Lisa underscore Ald, A-U-L-D, at yahoo.com. I am actually, uh, big news, rejoining a group practice. So uh, some fellow counselors and therapists that I've always been in touch with have a um, 
a practice called Relationship Resolutions, and I will be taking clients there in Shadyside. That's awesome. we got a whole bunch more from Lisa coming up on KDK Radio. Welcome back to Emotional Management. I'm Dr. Christian Conti. In studio with me is Lisa Ald, phenomenal counselor, friend, and colleague. So I'm stoked to have you in the studio tonight, Lisa. We're going to go to the phone lines. And Norman, you are on Emotional Management. Thank you both for taking it. I haven't called this uh, health programming for quite a while on KDKA. Nice. Uh, just a number of ways I could approach it, but uh, I am 67, folks, to get to the point. My parents have been deceased for quite a while, and I live in a personal care home, and I am amongst a number of folks who have dementia and pushing to Alzheimer's. Could you give a little idea what someone who is not with a parent to concern them getting that can do for the others? Okay, so the question is, what might how might people who are struggling with dementia and Alzheimer's yeah. impact you? It, it's just a situation where I see folks come in of the family who have maybe dementia, not seriously, but they are just, you know, a little bit forgetful. You can't really have a conversation with them. And not to drag out the question, uh, it's important to try to comfort them and make the family feel helpful to uh, see that they're uh, being cared for and let them know that we're making uh, a caring for them where we live with them. Yes, that's a great question. That's a great question, though. But uh, you know what? Honestly, um, I I see that. um, I've seen that frequently with people where if someone's struggling with dementia or Alzheimer's, people start to take it personally, the struggles, the way they might lash out or forget something. I see family members take that personally, And I always advocate, and Lisa mentioned this earlier on the show about looking at things from the boss's perspective, but I always say, look at somebody, look at life from somebody's perspective, even if that person is coming at you or barking at you or frustrated with you, could you imagine if you can really, instead of taking the, instead of making your first response, be defensive, defend what you're doing, make your first response what might be going on with this person? So here's what happens when people are struggling with dementia or Alzheimer's. Um, let's say on in a normal situation where someone's brain is operating in the most healthy possible way. Well, they're not going to be just antagonized by uh, kind of unseen irritability, agitation. But if you take someone whose brain is going through something like dementia or Alzheimer's, what happens is there is a sense of agitation, irritability, frustration, frustration, and that's saying it lightly, of you're not able to think the way you want to think. You're not able to quite do the things you want to do and imagine that you start to lash out. So I say there's a difference between content, the words people say, and process how they say them. So if someone lashes out in anger, instead of me going with every word the person says, I kind of look at the whole person and say, 
sounds like you're really angry right now. Like you're really frustrated. And maybe I'm a safe person to take things out on. Maybe I'm a safe person for you to feel comfortable enough to say all those things that you, you have inside you. But just because I'm a safe person doesn't mean I need to take things personally. And that is the part that I try to highlight. It's not about me saying this is, this isn't about me. You can come right at me. You can yell at me specifically, but I'm not taking it personally when someone's struggling with dementia or Alzheimer's because they're, if you saw someone in a cast because they just got surgery on their knee, you'd say, okay, I see it. I don't expect you to jump up and run around, but yet. When you can't see the functioning of someone cognitively, you expect that they're just going to react and respond to you normally when they might very well not be able to. Let's go to the phone lines. Dan, you're on uh, emotional management. Hi. Yeah, I was calling about my son. He's uh, 40, but... He can't. Um, he can get jobs, but he can't keep them. And he refuses to acknowledge that he's the cause of him not having a job. But he comes home and he vents to me. And it's for the past twenty years, it's been like the same scenario. He gets a job, he likes it, and then all the frustration creeps in. Uh, this person is jealous of him. That person is jealous of him. He's doing all the work there jealous of him and he gets angrier and angrier and he usually quits before he gets fired. And so this has been going on. This is a pattern that's been happening for 20 years. You've seen this. Well, every job he's had, every single job he's right now, currently unemployed. Yeah. And so, and his challenge or the challenge you're experiencing is, is difficult for you to get him to see that he's the common denominator in all these jobs. Yeah. I, I, I've suggested therapy, and he says therapists are evil, evil people. <laughs> I understand that. That's a that's a. I'm not sure where that comes from, but that's people get strong reactions to therapy. Look, therapists have a way to be able to kind of shine light on areas that sometimes we don't want light shined on, um, and that could certainly feel that way to someone. I can I could see that happening for him, um, but the challenge is this: we want him to get. Is he is would he say if you were to ask him, are you content with how things are going for you right now? What what do you think he might say? He claims no. He claims that I will. Do you think I like asking you for money? Um, blah blah blah. Do you think I like sitting here, um, not working? But then he won't branch out to other jobs. He only wants to work in this uh, certain field. And I personally feel that he doesn't have the personality to work in that field. Right, right. And that's hard. That's hard because you know it. You could probably see that you have insight. So it sounds like he struggles with being able to take feedback. He does. So one thing. And, that, he, wants, and he wants to be in control. And he wants to be in control. Right. And then honestly, we can, we can, we can validate that because who doesn't want to be in control in life? Uh, the part that we might be able to shine some light on with him is this. We might say to him. If you, if he likes sports and it, were you saying that his name's Dan, is that, is that correct? No. Oh, sorry. Your name's you Dan. We'll call him Dan. We'll call him Dan. Okay. We'll call him Dan. That's <laughs> no, sorry. I, I think I got the message wrong. So, so let's say we call, we say to Dan, look, uh, you know that athletes perform well because they have coaches who are giving them feedback. So if we were just looking at your career in terms of feedback, like we're watching it on television, what kind of feedback would you give you 
about what you could do differently since you're the only person you can control. Obviously, all those other people, there's stuff wrong with them. But the question is, since you're the only one you can control, what could you do differently? That's the approach I would probably invite you to take with him. Does that resonate with you? It resonates with me, but not with him, because he has other people that have tried to talk to him. And I, I, and I think there's, um, as far as I think there's a lot more serious mental illness going on, he's always thinking that somebody's out to get him. It's been like, this person is out to get him, that person's out to get him. Every, everybody in the whole world is jealous of him because he's such a good person. He's excellent, and he's excellent at what he does. Mm. That's super, super hard, especially when you know that that there could be some, you know, I'm not saying that this is it, but there are things that are called delusions of grandeur where we start to think, well, I'm this and everybody needs me. Um, and the challenge with that is we get locked up into our own mindset and we need to be able to step outside ourselves. So in terms of being able to give you a good answer right now, I would say it's about connecting with him and validating him. At some point, you're going to validate him and say, you know what, I appreciate this. Like, I can't imagine what it's like to be in your shoes. But at the end of the day, people see your actions, not your intentions. And I want to help you get a job that's actually going to be something you're comfortable with. And the people who, you know, the people who employ you are going to be comfortable too. Yeah, because I think sometimes that he intimidates his and his the people that he worked with, and I think some of them actually get afraid of him because they think that he might go off. Let's do this. We're going to stick with us. We're going to talk about this more coming up. You're listening to Emotional Management. I'm Dr. Christian Conti on KDKA Radio. This is Emotional Management. I'm Dr. Christian Conti. We're going to continue this call that we started uh, before uh, before the break. But I, I feel like we've we've gotten, uh, I wanted to know your first name or what we're, what we're calling oh, you here. It's Jan. My first name is Jan. Jan, Jan. Wonderful. All right, Jan, we're, we're, we got you. So Jan, we're talking to Jan here before uh, before the break. If you're just joining us, her son is 40. He seems to get angry relatively quickly when insight is brought up, when Jan tries to give him insight on his life. Um, and he's gone through different jobs, currently not working. But your struggle, Jan, is trying to give him, actually give him insight and him have it be receptive of it. Is that correct? Yes, and the anger has been there for a long time. Um, even as a child, he had really bad anger issues where once he got angry, it took maybe hours to calm him down. So, and as he got older, the anger sort of disappeared where he could control it. But now it's starting to creep back out, and he likes to in- intimidate people by scaring them down or just getting in their personal space so that he makes people feel that they're being threatened. And I think, I don't I don't know his mind, but I think when he does it to me, sometimes I think he's going to potentially. I know when he tries to scare them down, he is, and I'm, I'm thinking he does the same thing at work also. Well, I think you're right. I think that's that's you're you're able to see a glimpse of that behavior and you're right. That doesn't just get magically turned off when he goes to work. So that's there. And and you know, it's interesting because we we have something called shadow projections. The things that we don't 
want to face in ourselves, we have a tendency to see in others. And so if he is intimidating others and he thinks others are out to get him, it might not, he might not realize that he is projecting that out onto others and he's actually trying to get others with that intimidation or staring people down. Um, and shadow projections are tough because we really don't want to recognize that we don't want to admit that we might be struggling with it. Um, so you've tried giving him insight. You've tried, has he ever been diagnosed with anything that, that, and maybe that's what his frustration is with a therapist? Yes, he did see one as a child because of the anger issues and then as a child of under age 10. And then we stopped and he never went back. Mm. So it, so he hasn't gone back since he was young. And well, I think the challenge is going to be able to get him in with somebody, be able to have him see somebody and just get some insight. Here's how I would phrase it if I were you. I think this is kind of where we can give you some thought to you know, bounce some ideas off of. And that's this. He might be resistant to therapy, but would he be resistant to, hey, listen, I want to take you to somebody just to get some insight on job uh, counseling, like trying to see like what is it around job counseling? Because if you went to see somebody, let's say, let's take Lisa all while she's here in the studio with us. You come see somebody like her around job struggles and then this next breath, she's going to give you insight about your life and help you sh- shine light on that area. So I wonder if you could get him in to see somebody just around that context of. His- I can try, but he's pretty resistant to everything because in his mind, he's the only right. She knows everything. He has all the answers and, uh, usually when I try to, to suggest something, he turns it back onto me and says, you're the reason I'm the way I am. Oh, man, that's tough energy to be around. That's got to be tough for you to be around that energy. It is. It's a good to me because right now it's like I'm, I'm personally getting more and more resentful because I'm doing the household for a person who you know, I just get I get extremely frustrated with him. Yeah, I can I see that. I can't imagine. I can't imagine. So is he living with you currently? Yes. Okay, he's living with you. So you might be able to say you might even be able to couch going in to see somebody under the context of look, you're right, maybe it is me, but I want to learn how I can speak with you in the most effective way. So so in other words, when you're dealing with somebody who's struggling with needing to be right. Sometimes it's almost like a push-pull philosophy. If they push, you pull. So if they need to be right, okay, great, you're right. 100% you're right. Now you're still right, but we still need to connect in a more effective way. So even if we need to go to counseling so that I can find out what I can do more effectively, I would love to go to counseling around that under that pretext right there. So maybe that's a way to get in the door. Yes, you're right, but how do I handle how can I help guide you in the best possible way? How can I learn? See, I think the moment we take our ego out of it, then we role model for others who are struggling with ego. Uh, they can be right. Great, you're right. Technically, you're right. Whatever you want, that's fine. But now let's work from here, from this moment forward. What can I do? Does that does that make sense? It makes sense. And then I get feedback to my family saying that I'm amazing and that I kick him out and let him sit for himself, but my fear is that if I kick him out, he'll be so angry that I'll do something. Yeah. 
So mm-hmm. you, yeah. So your fear is if you gets if he gets too angry, if you kick him out, he could do something. So that's not a safe. That's a safety. That's a safety issue. It's definitely another reason why. Let's do this. At a minimum, I would love for you to reach out and talk to a counselor. Just because having someone else to bounce ideas off of, I, I think it's, I wish I could reach in your heart and have you f- know that you have a right to feel safe. And if your son is not making you feel safe, that's not okay. That's not okay on any level. Um, and so I would love for you to be at least be able to talk to a counselor at a minimum. Would you be open to that? I can do that. Okay, perfect. I love that. Let's do that. Let's let's kind of break there and have you know that we're at least going to do that. But the piece that I, I kind of want to leave you with is your challenge is getting around his ego. And his ego, it might be the way it is for a, a number of reasons. I don't know what those reasons are. There's lots of different reasons that might contribute to it. But at the end of the day, you want to connect with him. And it's difficult because his ego really puts a barrier between the two of you. When I encounter people like that, I say, okay, it's not about me being right or showing them they're wrong. It's about me getting around their defensiveness. And if that means I need to let them know verbally that they're right, and now it's not about being right, now it's just about what can I do to be more effective to connect with them, then I've had success with people opening up after that. But it's only when I kind of put the ego aside and say, you're right, you got that. Now I just want to know what I can do differently. So I, I think that, and I think you talking to a counselor will also make, it'll make me feel good to know that you're with somebody who, if you didn't feel safe, you could say to that counselor that, and that'd be hands-on right there to help guide you in the best possible way. Well, I can do that. Um, I, and I always tell him he's right, because mm. if I don't tell him he's not right, then it's going to be a long, drawn-out evening, so I always, I don't even argue with him. I let him vent and say, say what he has to say, but sometimes it's just yeah. Hours hours. Mm. Well, listen, I feel for you. I definitely appreciate your call, Jan. My heart goes out to you. Um, Thank you. So does Lisa. So we'll, we'll let's I appreciate your call. Thank you so much. Please get in touch with somebody. And we're also going to give the information for Lisa's contact, too, if that's an option for you as well. But thank you so much. We definitely sending you tons of peace. Thank you. So what a great, uh, what an important, um, what an important uh, call and what an important topic. What do we do? What do we do when we're talking to someone who needs to be right all the time? Look, it's a challenge. Well, we got more time to talk about this. I'm Dr. Christian Conti. My guest is Lisa All. This is Emotional Management. If you want to be a part of the show, 866-391-1020 on KDK Radio. Here we go. This is emotional management. See, it's exciting to talk about emotions. It's exciting to talk about what we're experiencing in life. No, it's not always easy, and sure, we can encounter obstacles that are difficult for us. But what's exciting is that we can make it through it. Whatever obstacles come your way, you have the strength. Someone asked asked me once, um, do you ever cry with your clients? And I've been doing therapy. I have over 20,000 hours of sitting down one-on-one with people. Um, and I don't cry with clients. And here's a reason why. I really, truly, profoundly believe in people. I believe in people's ability to get through 
even the most difficult situations. And so when people are struggling and they come in to see me, one of the very first thoughts I have is that this person will get through whatever they're experiencing. And I feel privileged to be able to be a part of their journey, to listen about it, to listen, to hear, to help offer insight where I can, to listen to them and and kind of make things a little bit more clear for them. Because ultimately that's what we do. That's what we do as, as counselors, as we help try to clarify things for people. Lisa, would you say that's an accurate description of counselor? I kind of put you on a closed-ended question there. Would you say that's definitely yes? No. Yeah. Oh, no, yeah, for sure, to help clarify. And I think you used the analogy earlier about, you know, kind of shine the light on what's going on for someone, um, almost like holding up a mirror so that it's another perspective, right? It's not my job to, to give them advice and say this is what you should be doing, but kind of give them another perspective of what I see from my vantage point. So I'm glad you brought that up because I use that as – that that is a, a description I love is the mirror. Like I've I've seen myself as that for a long time. I'm a mirror. I'm literally here to help you see your life clearly. And from the outside, it's easier to see it. You all, whoever's listening right now, you can see my life more clearly from the outside. It's just a part of being a human being. When we're in our lives, it's difficult to also be watching our lives. But what we can do is rely on each other. We can look to others for feedback and support. So what I do is I kind of envision myself as a mirror to say, let me just show you what you're saying. Now, what I've found through the years is one of the most effective ways for me to communicate what I'm seeing is by eliminating judgment. So I I always say that my superpower, I can't sing, I can't dance, but my superpower is I really am not a judgmental person. So I, I, I can look at people and say, whatever you did, you did for a reason. There was a reason why it happened. I have zero judgment for you. Let's just figure out what can we do from this moment forward. And this is kind of a philosophy that has helped me to do the work that I'm super passionate about in the prison system with men and women who have done some really awful things. But at some point, if they're going to come back out into society, why would we not want to help them? live a more effective life and learn things. And, and, and really we've been talking about all night, like Elisa said, shining light on what's going on with them. So that's kind of what we do. That's what counseling is about. Now, as we heard earlier with Jan, as she said, her son, there are people who will say, well, that's, if you're a counselor, you're a therapist, that's, that's evil because these people were actually showing light on areas that you don't want to have light shined. And that can be scary for people. And the response, the reaction is emotional. It's let me get you to dislike these people as well. And that's that's a challenge. But you know what? Honestly, Lisa, this is one of the ways people deal with anxiety is let me try to get others to dislike the people I dislike. Mm-hmm. And we see this a lot. Mm-hmm. If you don't like someone, you want every like, for instance, the concept of boycotting comes up. Well, I don't like these people, so I want to boycott whatever they are, and I need everyone else to also share in my dislike for them. Mm-hmm. And, and that's an emotional reaction to something. And what happens is emotions aren't tangible. So because we don't know how big anxiety is, how big depression is, how big anger is, if I can get others to also be angry, also be upset, also be you know, really heated about something, well, now... I'm not isolated and alone. Now I can put a tangible number. Well, now I have 10 people on my side against this. And 
So that's I think that's one of the ways we deal with anxiety. Yeah, I could see that. It's almost like an anchor that you can hold on to. Anchor is yeah. a great term for it because I, I call it a, an anger target, mm-hmm. uh, an anger target. So we need, a lot of times we need an anger target. If I have something specific I can project all my anger onto, it makes it easier for me to really go about my life. Now, look, sports is a wonderful way to do that in a lighthearted, healthy way. Well, you're from Pittsburgh. You're a Steeler fan. People from another city, they're a different fan. And so we can have a lighthearted, healthy you know, back and forth about that. The problem becomes when it's not sports and it's serious and you say, well, I'm, I'm this side or that side in, in politics and I hate the other side. Now we start to generalize people and we really don't really take that time to step back and ask ourselves, what are we even doing to ourselves by constantly feeding this anger? And is there a more effective way? But let's go. We have some questions. We want to get to some of these questions. Um, give us, okay. give us some. We have, we have an email from Darla, and Darla says she has a three-year-old that doesn't listen. She says, I know I'm probably the reason, and I've listened to you talk about parenting before, but I would love to hear about your four C's again. That's awesome. What a great question. Thank you, Darla. I love, uh, I, I appreciate that question a ton. A three-year-old, uh, what a beautiful, um, we just got to interact with a beautiful three-year-old um, the other day. Um that is just such a one what a great age. Um, I like Darla. I like your insight to be able to say that I, 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 I'm a part of it. I something to the fact mm-hmm. that she said something like that, right? Yeah. I'm a, I'm a part of it or she sees that that's a great insight because you do play a role. I said this at the beginning, we all play a role in every interaction we have. Um, love that you're asking about the four C's. So I, I buy fully into these four C's. I created them before we ever had our daughter, and we have definitely raised our daughter on these four C's. Here's what they are. Choices, consequences, consistency, and compassion. So if you, at three years old, you you have a choice. You might say, well, she doesn't have a choice, or he doesn't have a choice. But at three, you have a choice. You can choose to listen or not listen. No, they don't. can't listen. They have to listen. Listen, here's the deal. Your three-year-old still has a choice to not listen, but now there's a consequence if she or he chooses not to listen. Did she say daughter, son or daughter? She. she. Daughter. So if your daughter chooses not to listen, there's a consequence. Now, this is important, especially for three years old. The consequence does not have to be anger, violence in any way. So I literally have never yelled at or hit my daughter, but I am very consistent my wife is very consistent. So we were just a choice. You have a consequence, whatever that consequence is. And you want to make the consequence kind of fit the fit the crimes. You know, I'm doing air quotes here. I love to do visuals on the radio. But the consequence fitting the crime, here's what I mean by that. If you're three years old and you choose to not want to leave the playground, well, the consequence might be, you know, not watching television later. Um, it's not the end of the world. It's 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 the perception of the consequence that matters the most. So at three, choices, you have a choice. It's time to leave the park. You can either choose to whine and leave the park, in which case you cannot watch TV tonight, or you can choose to just leave the park, in which case you'll get to watch TV tonight. It's up to you, whatever you want to do. Now, here's what's so important. The next spot, Lisa, the next moment, this defines everything. Because if your three-year-old then whines... Okay, great. Listen, I'm not mad at you, but you now chose to not watch TV. We're still leaving, but because you chose to whine, we're not going to watch TV. 
Now, here's the philosophy behind this. It all comes down to following through. That means no matter what happens when you get home, if you're busy and you say, well, it would be easier for me to pop her in front of the TV, no chance, none, zero, zip, because you are teaching, Darla, you are teaching your daughter about you and about life and about what your word means by everything you say and do. So if you follow through with what you say, your daughter learns, mommy's going to follow through with what I say. If you give in, your daughter's learning, mommy's going to give in. So I just have to do this and this. See, we are teaching our children, not just about life, but about us and about what we'll tolerate and not tolerate. And the final C is the most important C of them all, compassion. Because at the end of the day, if you realize that you are your daughter's teacher, Darla, then you never have to be angry or violent. You just simply say, look, these are the choices. These are the consequences. It is my job to teach you in this life. And I'm going to guide you in the best possible way that I know how. So this is, and I would frequently, I've said that to my daughter many times throughout her life. This is my job as your, as your dad to teach you in the best possible way. And I'm going to give you my absolute best. Sometimes that answer is not going to be what you're wanting in the moment. And that's okay. That's okay. That's part of life. Sometimes we're not going to get what we want. Um, but I love you and I'm not doing anything. Like I, I constantly would say to her, I love you. And this is what I'm, why I'm doing it. So let me say this before we hit a, 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 a quick break. And that's this children with no rules and no consequences have the lowest self-esteem children with rules and consequences have higher self-esteem, but the children with the highest self-esteem have rules, consequences, and explanations. In other words, Darla, you're constantly telling your precious little girl, this is why I'm choosing to tell you this. We, I want to prepare you for life by teaching you that if you choose to do something, there's a consequence. doesn't mean you're wrong and bad or terrible. It just means there's a consequence. If you choose to whine, there's a consequence. Um, and the more we teach that, the more our children learn it. Hey, we got a whole lot more for you. This is emotional management. I'm Dr. Christian Conti. My guest is Lisa Ald on KDK radio. Welcome back. This is emotional management. I'm Dr. Christian Conti. Uh, what a great question we had just a bit ago, um, from Darla. So thank you again so much for your question. Um, I appreciate people tuning in and hearing, things like the four C's. I have videos on YouTube around parenting. Um, so you just, again, you go to YouTube and you just type in Dr. Christian Conti, um, 10 ways to discipline your children is a video I did with my daughter. We have over a million views on that video. So we'd obviously love for you to check out that one, but we also did an updated version of that because I think the four, that, that video we did about two years ago. So we did an updated version, um, maybe six months ago or so called the four C's of parenting. So definitely check that out. Um, but I think it's so powerful, Darla, that you're asking questions and, and not only that, but actually noticing that you're playing a role because that speaks of volumes to who you are as a human being, recognizing you play a role and then saying, okay, if I do play a role now, what can I do to be more effective? I'm always blown away when people reach out on YouTube and they're trying to learn about anger. They're trying to learn about emotions because that means you're putting effort into it ahead of time. And Lisa, that's something we love to see when people are putting in effort about themselves because it's not easy. No, it's not. I mean, personal growth comes with some work, but it's worth it, certainly. And we 
we were talking earlier with Jan about her son and him mm-hmm. needing to be right. That's something, do you see that a lot in therapy? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I think uh, it takes some, some humility to even walk through the door to see a counselor. And, you know, oftentimes it, it takes a while to, to get significant others to, to embark on that step. But I do think, and I've always felt that, as an example, you know, I see couples, but also if an individual cannot get their significant other, child, parent, et cetera, to come with them, I absolutely think it's it's still beneficial to come by themselves. And it might take longer, but you are then modeling for them what what it looks like to to take accountability and to be healthy. Yeah. And for me, like when people are saying, look, I'm they're struggling with needing to be right and not what I see that as fear. I see that as mm-hmm. anxiety from that. Um, sometimes I try to challenge people in, I, you know, I, I think my whole approach is to challenge people, but do it in a way that gets around that fight or flight response. So I'm happy to take myself lightly. It's, it's more about just bringing in that awareness and shining that light and being that mirror. One of the things I tell people who struggle with needing to be right is, um, Ptolemy was an expert. Ptolemy was an expert. Ptolemy said that the sun revolved or the earth revolved around the sun. No, wait, the sun revolved around the earth. That's what Ptolemy said. So for many years, people thought, well, listen, all the experts say this. And then Nicholas Copernicus comes along. And when Copernicus comes along and says, wait, the, the earth revolves around the sun. Whoa, wait a minute. There were people saying, no, you don't understand. There's, there are experts telling you, no, that's wrong. Everything we know says that's wrong. But it turns out Copernicus was right. The earth does revolve around the sun. Sometimes experts are wrong. Sometimes we are wrong. And it's worth having the humility to set our egos aside. Lisa, I think you hit the nail on the head when people come in for therapy. That's challenging. It's scary for them. So speaking of coming in for therapy, how could people come in and find you? So email is best. Uh, you can, I can be reached at Lisa underscore Ald, A-U-L-D, at yahoo.com. And um, as I mentioned briefly, I am joining a new group practice in the Shadyside area and will be accepting insurance. So I can certainly get you pointed in the right direction. And if I'm not the right person, find someone who's the best fit for you. What's the name of the practice? It is called Relationship Resolutions. They Relationship have a few Resolutions. Yep. Oh, I love it. Yep. I love it. And you know what? So here's one of the reasons why Lisa's so amazing. A, I'm telling you, she's so amazing. I see people all over. I trained counselors for years. Lisa's like one of the first people I tell everyone, go see Lisa. Um, but it's kind of in that statement right there. If I'm not the best fit for you, I'll find somebody who is. That The awareness to realize that we're not the best fit for everyone. That's okay. It's not the end of the world. We want to help in any way we can. And I know you're doing that every day. Thank you. I really appreciate it. I enjoyed tonight. Thanks for having me back. I'm so glad you were on. You, you're, you're, this is a, a reappearing guest that she's <laughs> going to continue to be. And like, there's great ways to get a hold of her, so please do. I think it's so worth it. You have one life, and being able to get insight on your life is powerful. Lisa, thank you for coming on the show again tonight. Thank you, Dr. Conti. Um, if you want to be a part of the show, we're here every week, Monday nights, 8 to 10. Above everything, look, life can be difficult. So as always, more than anything else, I definitely wish you much peace. This is Emotional Management on KDK Radio.